right, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson. And joining me today, as always, is my co-host... Sketchy Richie. Ooh, Sketchy Richie is back in the house. <laughs> the sketchiest of Richies. The sketchiest of Richies? Or no, what was it that... Uh, was it Coleman that came up with it? Or who was it that came up with the... I think it was probably Coleman. No, who was it that came up with the sketch dog? The, no, 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 that was... That was... Uh, <laughs> that was... That was uh, our buddy DCM Skippy. What is that? Who it was? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's. <laughs> There's been so much directed at me in the past week alone. I don't know who's coming up with what. You're gonna have to pull that mic up to your face, son, because you're moving all around it. Except I know. <laughs> I'm moving go. all around it. Here we go. There we go. There we go. That's Here we what go. I'm about. I feel like Joe Rogan. Like Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. All the time, like. Pull that mic up to your face. Pull that mic up to your face. So, uh, yeah, Richie got a message this week. It is, he was addressed as Sketch Dog in it. Sketch Dog. And I approve 100%. I love it. I think it's phenomenal. It makes me happy to see Richie getting a little and bit And not of a only that, we got a review on the podcast. We did get a review on the podcast. Thank you so much for that podcast. Or that, that review. <laughs> Thank you so much for that podcast review. I'm sorry. I forgot a word. Um, and in the review, what does it say, Richie? More chaos. It says, long live sketchy Richie. Long live sketchy Richie. It reminds me of the hippies whenever um, Frodo, they was reading Lord of the Rings back, to, back in like the <laughs> 60s and the 70s. Yeah. And they were pre- they were painting Frodo lives all over stuff. Frodo lives. And like, long live Frodo. <laughs> like, that's what it reminds me of. Sketchy Richie has very much become a thought form. An alternate persona. Like, this is not me. If we focus our intention on, on Sketchy Richie, he will manifest. Ritchie, we will make a thought form, like the Slender Man. Like, like uh, Injured Cold. Yeah. And if we and if we do it at a corporate level, we, we'll end up with a Sketchy Richie Egregore. I don't so, think they want that, no, to be honest. No, that sounds like a bad time. So, <laughs> Josh knows the sketch I'm capable of. Uh, oh, you know, attach a spiritual being to it, and uh, that makes it even <laughs> it, worse. Yeah. So... Anyway, uh, on today's Chinwag edition of the Chinwag Staff, edition, been a while since we've done a Chinwag. Absolutely. When was the last? What was the last? Chinwag? I don't even remember the last time. I don't remember the last. Chinwag we've done a bunch of special editions and yeah, uh, reviewing uh, Lord of the Rings trailers and things like that. But to actually call an episode a Chinwag edition, yeah, I don't remember the last one. It's been a hot minute. So, um, in today's Chinwag edition, we got two sections. The first section. Um, is we are going to talk about Stranger Things Season 4, <clears throat> Volume 2. We'll talk about the whole thing. but We're talking about Strange Things and even Stranger Things. <laughs> right. And then after that, we're going to uh, do a new section, new segment, that we're going to call The Week and Weird. The Week and Weird. Where we review the weeks, the past week's uh, weird happenings. And we've your, got some really weird weekly dose of sketch. Yeah, that's what everybody needs in their life is a weekly dose of they sketch. They do. So. And it's about time. <laughs> Richie has been requesting the Week and Weird segment for a long time now, and I finally gave it to him. Um, and that's because people have been, people have just taken to Sketchy Richie. Listen, they, they love listen it, we've so. got messages, unleash Sketchy Richie. They don't want that, but uh, here they go. They yeah, got it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, you, you get what you ask for. You get what you ask for. So don't come to me. Exactly. <laughs> don't, I don't want to hear it when, when you come to me. <laughs> Josh is not taking any complaint, no. any complaints. Nope. Anything like that. Nope. So, okay. So let's get into our first segment for the day, which is Stranger Things Season 4 with emphasis on Volume 2. We'll talk about the whole thing, but we'll talk, we really want to focus in on uh, Volume 2. But let me just ask you, like, what'd you, what did you think about it? What did you think about the whole thing? We talked about Volume 1 in the episode we did on Portals yeah. a little bit. That was, yeah. So we talked about that there, but Volume 2 has come out since then. I think it's been out for like a week, maybe two weeks now at this point. So we gave people time to watch it. Oh, more than enough time, more yeah. than they deserve. Yeah. So what did what did you think about it? It was a train wreck on my emotions because <laughs> I about died in uh, the second part. Even though we predicted from the beginning, basically the entire plot of the second season, we legitimately did. It was predictable, but in the best way, in the way that I hoped for. I felt like the payoff was really, really was. great. Um, if they leave it alone. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get into that on yep. our theories. But um, so we did. We called it right from the beginning that Eddie would die and that it would be a redemption of his character throughout volume four. Right. Like he, he starts off 
in the beginning of season four, volume one. He's this scared person. Um, he he flees away from from trouble. He flees away from the enemy. Um, and I can't see it. Um, he flees away from all of that. And in volume two, he finally mans up and he becomes the hero. And he gives his life being the hero. Yep. And I think that it's absolutely phenomenal. And everybody's talking, like, everybody's so upset. Like, what? You have to kill off Eddie. And, like, the thing is, it's like, you had to. He had yes, to become the absolutely. hero. Like, he literally um, ran as Chrissy was losing her life. Ran away, screaming. So the only way that he could well, be I mean, redeemed is, you is saw giving his, his life. Yeah, you saw his character <clears throat> several times throughout the show saying... You know, guys, we're not heroes. I mean, yeah. there's, no uh, there's no need to be heroes. There's no, there's nothing wrong with running away. Yep. Live to run away. Live to run away. And, and he even understands his own giving of his life as uh, doing it for Chrissy, as putting it to right. Because as he picks up the guitar, yeah, and he he jams out to Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets. Oh man, the 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 high schooler in me was just like <laughs> screaming. I was in a metal band growing up. Um, Josh is going to post a picture of that. No, I won't. I was in a metal <laughs> band growing up, and we played the Master hair, of puppets, lots of hair, and you know it was a song we used to jam. And I had lots of hair, um, and so I loved it. But as he picks it up, he says, "Chrissy, this is for you." Yep. So he even understands his own. Oh um, yeah, life giving is a putting to right what he. The dude literally before. dies with a smile on his face. I mean, he tells Dusty, he goes, I didn't run, I didn't run away this time, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he knew exactly the significance of that moment. He did. He knew that he was putting to right all of the things that he had wronged before. And it was phenomenal. Now, given that, leave it alone. Let him stay dead. Let, let him die. Let's get it. We'll get into that in a minute I, on the theory. I, I don't think I can. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll save that. Okay. Um, what else did you think about it? What did what you think about some of the other characters? Like, did any other character arcs you really liked? Um, any that you didn't like? Well, I mean, what else did you think? I, I loved Eddie's. Eddie's uh, was my favorite. Eddie and Argyle saved the show. <laughs> I loved Argyle. Absolutely. I loved and if you haven't yet, call the phone number on the pizza box. Yes, please call the phone number on the pizza box. I think you can actually even call... There's another number in there, too. Um, it has to do with uh, Hopper being in Russia. I can't remember. Yeah. There's another number I think you can call, too. Um, I can't remember who answers, but I think there's a lot of little Easter eggs like that in the show. Tons of them. Um, I also really liked, um, Max's arc. Yeah. As odd as that sounds. Completely brutal how they left Max, but still. That devastated me more than Eddie. It did because we talked about Eddie dying. Like I knew Eddie was going to die. We knew it. I mean, we even said so in the group chat, like way before volume two it was even a thing. And but I was not expecting what happened to Max. When I seen what happened to her, I was like, Yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> my my wife was devastated because uh Max is one of her favorite characters. They're very very similar in personality. Um but what got me though was I, I was like, are they really going to kill off this central character? I mean, but then I remember what it said about Vecna needing four deaths. To yeah. open the upside down, right, and then you see the upside uh, upside down crack open. So like, oh gosh, she's she's dead. Yeah. Like it's it's really happened, and that that's what really hit me hard. That'll get me into another thing here in a second, um, which is the messianic role of eleven. Yep, which I called. Um, we'll this harrowing to, of hell. I talked literally talked about literally a, a, talked about it. Literally talked about that there would have to be a harrowing of hell moment. Yep. And that's exactly what she does. But before I get to that, um, and I say, I told you so. Uh, A lot of those today. um, I really liked Max's arc. And the reason why is because I felt like that there was something to do there. uh, Something really important to be said about trauma. Yep. Like she's experienced trauma. She saw her, uh, I guess it's her half brother. Or no, her stepbrother. Her stepbrother, Billy. Talking about Billy? Yeah. Yeah. It's her stepbrother. She sees her stepbrother die. I mean, and like at the end of it, he kind of, he gives himself to the mind flayer. Yeah. And he, he does it in a self-sacrificial way. And she has deep trauma about that. And the thing that you see in all of the characters that Vecna chooses is they all have trauma. Yeah. Right? Like you've got the homeboy who was in a car wreck and fled and felt like, felt guilty. 
um, because he didn't help the other guy and the other guy died, right? And then you see it with uh, Nancy over Barb. Um, you see it with, you know, several other characters there. Um, the thing that Vecna does is he isolates yep. those people. He makes them feel alone. He <clears throat> even brings them into, shows them glimpses of the upside down, and they're kind of yep. like this. It's kind of like a vision or a hallucination or something. Well, I mean, like it that. basically even follows the real life pattern of the demonic to weaken the will. Yeah, right. The thing that I liked about it is that there is a progression in her character arc that also shows how to deal with trauma. Yeah. Right. Like everybody is isolated. She's even isolated, right? She's very independent. She will not open up to people. She uh, deals, she suffers silently in her trauma. She internalizes all of it. She won't, uh, she won't face it. And then she's put in a position to where she has to. And then it also leads to her opening up and no longer dealing with it on her own and seeking help. Like the thing that was devastating about it is because she turns right as, you know, she's about to die. And, you know, she's like, I don't want to be alone. I can, uh, yes, like I it was, it's say, devastating. I not handle it's devastating because I'm like, like, oh, there it is. Like there's that, that tough guy yeah. persona just cracked. Yeah, there's the, there it is. There's the uh, the false self has been yep. shattered. That ego she's, death. Yeah, she's, she's uh, experienced the ego death. And now she's going to die. All of this. Yeah. Endless cycles of the hero's journey. Right. And, and that's, it's a great thing for real life. Like you have to yep. face up to your traumas. Like you can't let them isolate you and suffer in silence. And I, th- I felt like that there was a real big focus on trauma. Yeah, there was in this season an underlying message there about um, how there's strength in numbers and in vulnerability and transparency and all of those things and how sharing that can even be a help to others feel like that was uh, they did a phenomenal job with that and that's why i really liked max's arc um and this gets me into Eleven's arc which is this messianic arc which i again let me go ahead and say i called um i knew i said like the only way for this thing to work and for it to, for vecna to be the big bad that he needs to be yeah. was that somebody had to die people have to die yeah he has to <clears> become <throat> a real threat but at this end of the day there's no way that they can actually kill off these main characters. Like they're just so loved by, by the fans and they play such a big part in the storylines. So I knew that at some point there would have to be a harrowing of hell kind of moment. Yeah. Like where 11 somehow brings back these characters. Or whatever, and that's exactly what you see with Max. Well, I mean, it just with 11, just thinking about the dynamics of all of it. I mean, these kids and Hawkins can only do so much. I mean, they're right. coming in there with baseball bats and things against somebody who has a uh, psychokinesis and yeah. just these crazy powers. And he, he literally has only one equal, only one match. Yeah. And it is 11. So, I mean, she has no choice yep. but to step up and, and be his undoing. Yep. I really, uh, yeah, I liked her arc. She kind of, she goes through a hero's journey of, of her own. Where she loses her power, she meets a mentor, and guess who the mentor is? It's Papa. Yep. One who has gave her the shadow trauma. wizard. Yep. Who has given her trauma. And she has to face that. And she goes through this process and she gains her powers back. And so really liked her arc as well. Um I'm just not sure what they're doing with Will Byers. Like I'm not a fan of his arc at all. <clears throat> I mean it's obvious why I'm not a fan of his arc. But I have two kind of takes on that. Yeah. I, well, this can probably get us into predictions. Yeah. I think the reason why his arc is the way that it is is because they're setting him up for something bigger. I don't think necessarily that they're hinting at Will's uh, sexuality as a means of fan service mm-hmm. as much as it is a means to isolating him to a degree in this next season to where he literally becomes an extension of Vecna, like yeah. a puppet to be used against him. Yeah. I, I think 100% that's going to happen. Um, I think this, yeah, this gets us into the predictions. My prediction is that for season five, I think that Will plays a big, big part in it. And oh, I you think, already see it with yeah. the fan art that's coming out. Will being possessed by Vecna, him yep. his nose bleeding like Elle does when she uses her powers. Yep, there's, there is the <clears> obvious <throat> connections between him and Vecna. Like, yep. And they set the parallels up on purpose. Like him drawing the Mind Flayer, he was doing that as a kid. Yeah, like Vecna was doing that when he was Henry. Henry, yeah. Um, and then you know, there's this uh, 
isolation that they both experience because they're, they're kind of marginal characters. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of mirrored shots, like mm-hmm. the, a lot of recreated shots where you, where you see Will in the first season. They recreated a bunch of scenes with Henry as a kid to show you that they to kind of link those two characters together. Yeah, and actually, uh, I'm looking for it here. Um, there was an interview released by um, Netflix. Um, gotta try to find it real quick. I might not be able to find it in time. But um, Netflix just did an interview with the character of the the person who plays Vecna. Netflix and, just la- unleashed an entire swarm of head games on people is all that that was. <laughs> he says something. There's several uh, really interesting things in the interview with him that he he's they're kind of talking about uh, Vecna's headspace coming into season yeah. five. I sent it to my wife yesterday. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can find it here in my Facebook messages. But um they kind of talk about his headspace and ask what he's thinking coming into it. Um, you know, especially after how the season ends with them literally uh, torching him and yep. shooting him with the shotgun. And um, basically what he says is you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. And I love that, that little Michael Myers moment there. Like you see, there's a scene in, in the Halloween movies where Michael literally gets shot out of a, a second story window and falls yep. onto the grass. That's exactly. And yep. Dr. Loomis sees him there. And then when they go down there, he's gone. gone off the grass. Yep. Yeah. Totally, totally a Halloween. Reference. Another, a nod to classical sort of or, horror or movies. movies. The, I've seen a bunch. Yeah. Well, you've got the nightmare on Elm street when poltergeist, got, all that is yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Robert England is in the series. Yep. So, but, uh, so it says Vecna gets burnt to a crisp, but he's still kicking. <laughs> what is he thinking after the hero, uh, the heroes assume this is a win for the side. He says, he's thinking, oh, it's on. You thought this was done? No. Yep. So, uh, but to get down into here where he talks about um, Eleven and some of that stuff, I think that he mentions Will in here. But there was Listen, something- I still think Will is Vecna's trump card and has been since the beginning. So apparently he says that there, they, there's a two-day break um, between Vecna opening, opening the gates in Hawkins and... Um, all of that happening. So like whenever they leave the upside down, like when Eddie dies yeah, and they come out and then the upside down, the gates open and then all of Hawkins seemingly begins to fall into the upside down. Like with, you know how it ends. Yep. There's a two day gap between those. And they said, what do you think Vecna was doing in that time? He said, rebuilding, stewing, time in the upside down space, both emotionally, literally, he moves at his own pace. I don't think Vecna has a routine. He's not brushing his teeth. Yeah. He's the embodiment of chaos. And yeah. Chaos has no routine, right? But he says, um, I'm looking here um, for it. Uh, let's see. He talks about, I'll just do the search here. He talks about um, at least 11 being an extension. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, he it's, talked it's about just as life. much as there are there are parallels between <clears throat> Will and uh, Henry, Will and Vecna. Yeah, there are parallels between Will and Eleven. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so uh, that's what I want to get to. So we talked about the parallels with Will, but he says um, he literally says in their interview, he says the mind flayer. So he says he's able to uh, create this multi-dimensional being that can travel through space and time. The mind flayer is obviously another extension of who he is. And this is what I think is interesting much as is 11. Yeah. 11 see? is an extension yep. of who he is. So, you know, that's really interesting. And that gets me into a theory on why there's this extension. She's an extension of him. It reminded me of the way star Wars approached, uh, Ray and Kylo Ren being like yeah. this dyad in the force. Right. Like the two halves of a whole, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar. <clears throat> My theory, and I could be totally off on this. But one of my theories is that Vecna or Henry is the father of Eleven. I rebelled against this so bad when you first told me. Yeah. But I just, 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 it makes a lot of sense of uh, one's sort of special relationship with him. Yeah. With, 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 uh, with Eleven. With Eleven. Yep. Like you see him even take to her in the lab and trying to protect her and help her escape and. Like he's not doing that with the other with the other kids. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, 
let's see. Okay, so here's kind of some of the supporting evidence, I think. And some of it is that um, whenever you look at his timeline, yeah. so Eleven's uh, father's never showed. His mother, or her mother is. And at the time that they were experimenting on Eleven's mother, this was during MK Ultra. According to Henry's timeline, Henry would have been able, he would have been in his 20s when yeah. that happened, which would put him right at the age where he would have been able to conceive a child, right? And which I mean, also, even just through like genetics in the lab, I mean, that's possible, even without him being like of age yeah. to do that on his, of his own accord. So here's the theory. The theory is that Brenner knew that none of the kids, numbers 2 through 10, were as strong as number 1. So Dr. Brenner waited for one to get older to make him breed with Terry Ives to create 11, to make sure that she was the strongest, and clearly she is. So that's my my theory. I'm thinking, and I think that, that also um, accounts for why there's this special relationship between the two of them. Yes. Why he doesn't just kill her whenever she comes into the upside down, right? Like he even offers, he's like, this could be ours, you know? Like yeah. he's wanting to share in it with her. Yep. And then also, why there's also the similarity between one and 11, right? It's, it's doubled. Yep. Right? So I, I think it's because maybe possibly he's her father. And it also accounts for the similarity in power too. So. I don't know. We'll see. It's very Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a this. lot there's a lot of that mirrored image there. Which yeah. let's see here. Um let's see. Like there was an instance where on the clock in the in the 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 lab, the one and the eleven were grayed out. There's just little Easter eggs just planted in there that makes you feel like they they share a connection that's more than just okay, these kids had the he he was a former kid that had Powers like Eleven does. Yeah. A product well, of MK yeah, Ultra. It happens in March of 86 in volume in season four. Return of the Jedi came out in 83. So, like, this would be something that the kids could even mm. be familiar with at this point. Yeah. So, um, I'm thinking that that's what it is. Like, it's kind of a nod. I'm thinking it's going to be a nod to Star Wars. Which is you're going to have this moment like, L, I am your father. Yeah. Could totally see it. I, I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. So... Theory so far, Will is going to be a lot bigger yep. in season five, connected to Henry in some way. Um, Eleven. Uh, and with Will, I think people are making, I think Netflix is making a huge deal out, out of his sexuality, but not for the reasons that the woke culture would like to believe. Like, I don't no. think they're going to make Will to be this sort of champion for the LGBTQ community as much as Will is going to be go into this this deep depression, this isolation, yeah. this outsider. He's going into the margins, and he's going to find Vecna there. And You kind yeah. of see that anyway in the supposed coming out, yeah. which the LGBTQ crowd were not happy about. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they weren't happy they, about they, didn't, they rejected yeah. that. Yeah, um, he, it's, a, it's a moment of isolation for yeah. him. You know, he, he turns and he's crying, and the only person who notices is Brother Jonathan. So... Yeah, I, I can see that. I think that he's going to go into into that, um, and you kind of see it too. Um, whenever him and Mike are kind of arguing back and forth at the roller rink, whenever yeah. they're looking for eleven, where he talks about, he's like, "Well, you've you've called like was it once or twice or three times or something in like a year." He's like, "But yet eleven has tons of notes from you," and he's like well, we're friends. And he's like, yeah, but we used to be best friends. So there's even kind of that isolation there, it seems like. who The person who used to be his best friend, there's this drifting apart. And so I think that that's, they're going to play on that, um, especially like with the way that it ends with him being yeah, back think, at Hawkins. I think that fracture, that broken relationship yeah. is going to be... Huge. And him feeling Vecna again whenever he gets yep. into Hawkins. So I think he's going to play a big part. I think that Eleven... I, here's Here's my next theory. I don't think that any of the main characters are going to die. Not at this point. I do. If they, if they are you counting died, Will as a main character? Yeah, I absolutely think it, it is absolutely a given that Will is not going to survive. I think that Will. I think. <clears throat> I think that if anybody dies, yeah, it's more harrowing of hell. Uh, the only person that I can see dying is Eleven. 
I think Eleven should die, and I think Will should die, and I think that Will she is th- going to die as Vecna's proxy. I think she thinks that Eleven should die, but I don't think that the Duffer brothers do. Like, she actually was kind of unhappy with the you know main characters not dying, and they actually, like, responded to her, and they said, this isn't Westeros, this is Hawkins. Like, so they have no intention I think on I mean, it's more weighty. It's more impactful. If, I, if, if yeah. you punch people in the face with these deaths and be like, okay, you were hoping that your favorite characters would survive, but yeah. no, they're gone. Like, that's a real sacrifice. I mean, but especially in the 80s, you don't get that. I know? don't care. Like, like, you're not going to get the grim, dark, you know, Game of Thrones thing until later. Like, for this to be 80s, the good guy has to win. Mm. And and they even say <clears throat> that the ending is going to be a Return of the King style ending. But what do they really mean by that? Though I think that what they mean is Vecna goes down, just like in the same way that Sauron goes down, and you have a for Frodo moment, yeah. like, and you have a. But uh, also, Will is going to be Gollum clutching onto the ring as it falls into the. Flames. I think so too. So, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um. And I mean, there's even a, in some ways, there's even a sacrificial kind of thing with Frodo kind of, you know, but it's, it's kind of a maddened sa- sacrifice. You He's also, after the ring. You He's also have Frodo wrestling with this wound that'll never heal. And right. that reminds me of Eleven with her, her otherness. Like how does she, if she doesn't lose her powers, no, if she loses her powers yeah. and she goes on and can live a normal life, that would be something I'd want for I her. Think, but if, if these powers are going to be something that's, Tied to her forever. Yeah, I think she has this moment, this Frodo moment, where you know she realizes you know there's just some wounds that time just doesn't heal. Like, I think that she has to live in order for Hopper's arc to work, and I think that Hopper th- screws up the whole thing, not letting Hopper die, because here's the reason why. Okay, Hopper. So this ties into Joyce's and Hopper's arcs. Hopper shouldn't even have an arc at, at this point. Let me just tell you that. I agree. I think Hopper, Hopper should have died. died. Stayed di- stayed dead in season three. Yep. They gave him a very good exit from the show, yep. dying a hero sacrificially, but then fan service brought him back. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, so, but since Hopper's back, I don't think Hopper dies. I'm still waiting for him to kind of wake up from a dream that Hopper was even back to begin with, and it's just like, okay, he's not. I think for Hopper's arc to come to a conclusion, he has to have a redemption himself. He has to gain back everything he lost. What did he lose? He lost a daughter to cancer. He lost his wife as a result. Now he has Joyce. There's the wife back. He has to have a daughter. Who's been his daughter so far in the show? Eleven. I mean, I see it, but... And that's going to give her the normal life she never had. But also, I think there's this grand sort of thread that runs underneath all of that, that this chaos with the Upside Down started with Eleven. I think she's going to lose her powers. And she... All the, all the deaths, all the carnage, all the, all the bad stuff in Hawkins... Is literally you can trace it back. You can lay it at the feet of L. Yeah, it, it's it is her fault, and she knows that, and she wrestles with that. And you can see her through these different seasons that she wrestles wrestles with that. I think that- I think that she is going to need a huge redemption arc to sort of uh, be the undoing of the harm and chaos she's caused. And I think that is being the nuclear option and taking out Vecna and the Upside Down. I, I if if she sacrifices. I think it's gonna there's gonna it's gonna be accompanied with a resurrection. Because she is the Christ figure in the show, whether you like it or not. Well, I mean, if you look what they done with Star Wars, I mean they two the both of them couldn't exist yep. for very long at the same time. So yeah. Vecna or Vecna's Eleven gonna has lose. Vecna's gonna lose. It's it's given. Yeah. It's a return of the king style ending, they've already said. He dies. So it it I think that in order for the arcs to make sense. She has to live. And that's why I'm convinced that none of the main characters have, are going to die at this point. And I don't think that the Duffers want to kill off the main characters. Now, let me say this. It is my prediction that, that uh, secondary characters... It's more impactful if die. she does. Yeah. If, I, she, I if, she, if she does this huge sacrificial yeah. thing and literally reverses the upside down. Like, she is its undoing. Yeah. She is the un, she's 11. She's the undoing of one. I think that it, it ties it up nicely. I think that... Uh, 
she sacrifices herself. There's probably a resurrection. She probably loses her powers. The upside down is going to go away. So there's no purpose for her having her powers anymore. And then I suspect that her and Mike, it completes Mike's arc as well. He no longer has to, has to fear losing Eleven. She now has the life that she never had. He doesn't have to fear that. And then somehow <clears> the <throat> friendship with Will is going to be healed. I could see Jonathan Byers dying. Wait a minute. What do you mean a friendship with Will be healed? Well, because at this point, I'm uh, just assuming that Will is dead at the end of this thing. Yeah, I don't think Will. Like, dead. I don't. I, my mind doesn't have a, an option for Will to survive this, so I, I can't. It messes can't. Joyce's arc up. I think. I think it messes Joyce's arc up. I don't think Joyce should live either because she lost Bob. Okay, now she has Hopper, which is working on that arc. Right, she's gaining back what she. Has. Yeah. It messes her arc up if she loses two of her kids. She ends up lo- losing more than what she came in with, and it seems to me from the pattern that they're following. Following, they're giving. I mean, if it's about sacrifice, I want to see all of them lose something. That's where the resurrection part comes in. It's it's Tolkien. Listen, if they start waving a magic wand and start resurrecting the dead, and it's Tolkien. No, 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 I'm going to no, 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 be so mad. Catastrophe. It's Tolkien. It's a catastrophe. No, or, yeah, it's you catastrophe. It's a catastrophe, not a you catastrophe. It's. I think that. I, I mean. It, to me, it is so obvious that they are, they're playing with Lord of the Rings, which is but I mean, if, to Mordor. If, if Eleven can mentioned. just turn around and resurrect anybody that's ever died, and it's just like it never happened, what is the two, point of the story? It's, it's the 80s. It's 80s. Like, you have the two Mordor moment with Eddie and Dustin, and then they literally say it's going to be Return of the King. So they are literally talking about you catastrophe. So it has to, I think that Eleven will sacrifice herself at some point. But I think that she also resurrects because Lord of the Rings in the Christian story, as a result of it, is at the core of this thing, whether they uh, like it or not. They are using the Christian story, whether they want to admit it or not, to tell their story. All right, I think we can agree to on one point that we think that Eleven is going to yeah. die at some point. Yeah, you don't think now she's whether she comes it. back from that or not yeah. is is the contention here. But yeah. I, I just, I just again, I want. I, I think Nancy ends up with Steve because it completes both of their arcs. She's obviously into Steve. In the, I, in, I, in the, I want Steve to die, and I want Nancy to go with you Jonathan. Want you want this to be Game of Thrones, and I want Jonathan to have this redemption arc from this. Uh, uh, stationary, uh, just goalless character that he's turned into. Like he's just literally this stoner that's just tripping out in a hippie van the whole season. Yeah, and he wasn't like that in the se- in the mm-hmm. seasons before that. No. So I want him to have some sort of redemption arc. I think that and he sort of win or back. Has to. I think that he has a redemption arc, and or maybe that involves him dying too. I don't. That's know. what I'm saying. If anybody dies, I think it's Jonathan Byers. He is my pick if anybody dies, it's him. <laughs> I love you. Like, he just wants everybody to die. He sacrifices himself for Nancy. Yeah. He, he lives up. He does the thing that he's... And then that also allows her to be with Steve and to have live in the camper and to have the six chicken nuggets that they that he wants. But I think that the the, the reason that they show you Steve Steve's wants and his hopes and his dreams, like he, uh, he's laying it out there like, this is what I want. I want a life after this. To cut that off... To take that from him, to let him sacrifice, give that up to save his friends and save the town, mm-hmm. I think it's weighty. It's impactful if they let him die like that. Uh, Robin's going to get the girl, Josh. <laughs> She's going to. I mean, it's obvious. Like it's this is this is their version of Return of the King. It's not it's not ours, right? But in their version of Return Return of the King, it's inclusive. And she's so that's how it's going to end for her. And I think that Max goes from a position of. Uh, obviously her and Lucas are going to be together and Lucas is now going to be able to care for her the way that he's always wanted to. And she's going to have to be open to him and which heals her trauma story. Um, am I forgetting anybody else? No, I think that's it. I think supporting characters die with Hawkins being opened up to the upside down. I can see some parents, 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 teachers. Yeah. Parents, teachers, Students, yeah. I absolutely see them being slaughtered. Just like homeboy getting obliterated <laughs> when that gate opened up in that the house. should have been Vecna's Woo! victim right there. He got like liquefied, prayed for it the whole Ooh. season. It was savage. So that's my thoughts and theories on Stranger Things season season four. And there was a there was a lot of weird sort of synchronicities with that. 
like when we were even when season four came out, we were taught we were digging into uh, Damien Eccles mm-hmm. and the entire like West yep. Memphis three, and to come to find out that they based Eddie's Eddie. character on Damien Eccles, and Damien was accused of. Uh, you know, dabbling in the occult and those right. murders, and then now Damien Eccles actually, yeah, actually is, is a, a practicing occultist. Right. So yeah. I have some of his books. Yeah, his grimoire. Yeah, and so it was just interesting how that sort of came together there. Yeah, no, but yeah. we have to talk about Eddie coming back as this ridiculous vampire. Yeah, or I'm, I'm going to said, scream. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So there's another theory going around that Eddie comes back um, because playing on the D and D. Playing on the that's right. Yeah. Playing on the D and D, the Dungeons and Dragons theme. Vecna is a uh, is a deity yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons, and in the lore, he has a like a general, uh, like a general who's yeah. a vampire who turns against him and like you know kind of takes him out. If that's the uh, I don't, arc, I don't I think be so mad. Which I don't think Vecna's still around because I've just got the most like vampire recent. Eddie riding in on a unicorn. I can't do yeah. that. I just got some of the recent D and D stuff from the Forgotten Realms, and Vecna's yeah. still around, so he doesn't kill Vecna. Um, so, but that's the thing is that that Eddie is going to play the part of this and of this general. He's going to become this general. He's because apparently the Duffers are out there saying that nobody can die by being bitten by the bats. The Demobats. But then they're also out there also saying in interviews that he is dead and that he's not coming back. Well, I mean, so I see, I can see them twisting a phrase there. Right. Okay. That's oh, what the vampire saying. is undead. That's and, what and the saying. real Eddie that was there is gone. Yeah. But I just, I think it's, it's hoping that I mean, by extension, the mind flare, uh, anything like that has has used people as puppets before. So what's I could see it. I mean, literally reanimating Eddie's. No, it doesn't show his body corpse. at the end of it, and it doesn't show his body at the end. Like what a what a, a weird way for Vecna to sort of like stick salt in their eye, like then to resurrect their their friend with this fallen sort of new nature. Like yeah. he's this soldier, foot soldier for the upside down. Now. I guess the question becomes: Are they like? That really involves them sticking to the D and D lore, yeah, a little closer than what a little they, too much, a little yeah, too much. I think. I mean, is it possible? Well, I mean, they've done fan services before with Hopper, so maybe that they, that's the only thing that even leaves that open for a possibility to me. Yeah, because I but thought for sure, again. yeah, I thought for sure that Hopper was done in season three. I was like, all right, this is good. And then when I seen him again, I was like, no, what is going on? Yeah. I hope that they don't. If they've done fan service like that once, there is nothing to stop them from doing it again. You're and right. that's that's what makes me mad. That's what makes me anxious. Yeah, I hope that they don't. Because Absolutely. Eddie went out yep. like a hero. He he redeemed himself. He is no longer the bumbling, fumbling dungeon and dragon. People were like, nerd. we just didn't get enough of Eddie. I was like, that's I the point. Yeah. They made you fall in love with this character this one season. And they did it so good. They, yeah. they did a great job of making you love this character and his death was weighty and you feel it. They did yep. such a good job of it. I remember explaining to people at work and just people we were talking, even us in conversations, like don't get attached to Eddie. Yeah. I was like, he is this Trojan horse that these guys have put sent into this show. That's going to devastate you in the end. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. That's right. And so I don't know, man, maybe there's stuff going on in Russia too, where, we just left off there with Enzo and them. Like, we don't know what happened to them. And, uh, you know, like, we don't know how far. The, I mean, did they say if the fracture, they is, say that, it, did it erupt into Russia too? They say that the whole next season happens in Hawkins. In Hawkins. In Hawkins. But we do know but that I mean, there is a collider yeah. in, in Russia and they've opened a portal there. So I don't know what's going on, but here's what I do know talk about a collider. That is a great segue oh, here we into go. our Week and Weird segment where we're going to talk about CERN uh, restarting their collider and a bunch of weird stuff yes. happening afterwards. So I don't know if you And wanna... I even have my own personal weird thing that happened after it sort of started up that morning. I even sent you a message, so we'll get into that. Yeah, okay. Well, so last week CERN restarted their uh, Large Hydrant Collider and... Man, there was just a slew of weird stuff happened afterwards. So, one of those weird things. I mean, it's it comes down to whether CERN is really up to something sketchy, and whether this this collider is doing other th- things other than uh, particle physics. I don't. 
You know what? I'm going to make a case that will not involve conspiracy Or if theories. people are just freaked out by it, by what they're doing there, and the unknown of what they're doing there sort of gives room for all these things to grow. Well, here's what I'm going to do. That's The way that I've seen it is a lot of people are making the case that... Like it's CERN the scapegoat for all the bad things that's going on right. in the world. I see a lot of people out there talking about CERN and talking kind of conspiracy theories. I'm going to make a case that doesn't involve conspiracy theories. I don't need conspiracy Josh theories. just gutted the entire episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, you can talk conspiracy Like theories. we were going to go through chemtrails and everything else, but no, he just gutted it right out. Portals. Portals. Uh, occultism. Men in black. Yeah, all of it. Men in black. All of it. Um, you know, so, so, okay. but So the Georgia Guidestones just explode. And apparently they've not caught a suspect on that. What do you know about the Georgia Guidestones? Oh, I know that it's like some odd Do you character. know what they say? Yeah, it, like I like remember, it, it nods mm-hmm. at population yeah, control. Yeah, I was say I know it nods at pop- population control and all of that kind of stuff. The person that's responsible for its construction is supposedly anonymous. It was an, an mm-hmm. anonymous benefactor, is what is what the, the the charter says. Yeah, everybody thought that it was like Bill Gates because these people have also commented on the importance of population control. Yeah, there's a man using a pseudonym named Robert C. Christian. Yep. So okay. So that happened too, right? The Georgia Guidestones exploded, and they still not called a suspect. But another thing too was that the skies turned green over South Dakota, and then they turned like like upside Just down. Just weird atmospheric phenomena. Yeah. yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger ups, Things. Upside down red in was it Kentucky? All over the place. Yeah. All over the place. And so, what's going on here? Like, yep. all right. Well, I've got a theory. People were saying literally the line of deadly storms that just appeared after CERN was turned back on. They were associating that as part of the the wave of of weird that sort of came off of that. Yeah. So people were, you know, asking the question, did did CERN open up a portal? Did they Like the Men in Black did at the TNT area. Like the Men in Black did. And Point Pleasant. Well, here's one thing for sure. Um, There, at the very least, is... um, you know, we've had people comment on some of our posts and be like, why does people think that CERN's doing anything other than colliding atoms That, and that stuff? right there kills me because just a quick Google search of what they've done at CERN or any of the, those sort of laboratories and things over there, the, the blatant ritualistic sort of uh, displays and the, well, what they adhere to. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, how do you not suspect that? Well, we're going to touch on a little, that a little bit more, but... It's like wondering, it's like people wondering uh, how the people in the government could be up to some sketchy stuff when they literally go party with homosexual prostitutes and occultists at places like Bohemian Grove. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, you know, here's what I said. You know, the reason why people are coming to these conclusions is because the people at CERN, at the very least, are saying things that are sensationalistic. Like the X-Files was right. Trust no one. Right. I mean, if... if let me say this. Whether or not this is true, I don't yeah, know. It is. But they are being purposely sensationalistic. Um, so I have a quote here, uh, that, which comes from a news source called The Star, and it's out there on others too. But this is from Sergio Bertolucci, who is the director of research in scientific computing at CERN. And here's what he said. He said, the large hyd- uh, hadron collider would open a door, could open a doorway to an extra dimension and out of this door might come something and we might send something back through it. Literally Hawkins. Right. Um, so at the very least, scientists who are working on this are talking about the possibility of opening portals. Well, to they, they tied themselves to a, a spiritual aspect of things going on there when they started this big controversy over the Higgs boson particle, the God particle right. and their search for that. Well, not only that, but they Which also, it inspired the, uh, like the movie, the book Angels and Demons, because that's that's one of the central themes in it. Is that they're the particle research at CERN has this sort of spiritual overtones to it. Right. Well, not only that, but they they have a lot more spiritual overtones than just the God yeah. particle. They actually have a statue that was donated to them by uh, the Indian government, um, and it's a statue of Shiva the Destroyer. And a principality those, Trojan horse 
Chuck that thing back across the border. What are they? Ugh, no. So for those who don't know who Shiva the Destroyer is, um, Shiva is a uh, a Hindu god. It's a he is one of the big three. They kind of have like their own kind of like trinity. Yeah. But um, that's along with uh, Brahma and Vishnu, and um, he is known and understood as the supreme lord who creates and protects and transforms the universe, but not only that, but also destroys the universe. Yeah. And actually, he has a, a not just a benevolent side, but a malevolent, malevolent side as well, and he's actually the commander of demons. Yep. In Hindu theology, <clears throat> yep. um, he he inhabits graveyards. He is the commander of ghosts. That's a very huge thing in, in Hinduism about about nature creation being both a positive and a negative force. It's it's life and death at the yeah. same time. It's it's loving and cruel. It's kind of like the yin and yang. Yeah. Um, so okay, so it's interesting because he's depicted in some ways as slaying demons. And then he's also commanding them at the same time. So he's very... Asserting dominance over them demons. Yeah. So he's also the patron guard of yoga. No surprise. So for those of you out there who are into yoga... Roll up the mats and quit. Might be embodying a, a principality. Literally. So anyway. But um, so he's depicted in interesting ways. He's blue. <laughs> that ties into the mythology. He drinks poison, which we ain't got time to go into the myth, uh, the mythology, but... He's got various arms, but in the yep. statue at CERN, um, it was given to them by the Indian government as a symbolic representation of what is happening. <laughs> I was going to say what they were doing there. Yeah. So the statue. People with spiritual eyes were seeing mm-hmm. what they were doing there, the significance of what they were doing there. Right. So um, he is in the statue doing what is called the. Uh, Nataraja, which is the cosmic dance. Yeah. Right. So if you see his leg, he's standing on like one leg, the other leg's kind of cocked up. He's doing this cosmic dance. And what he does is he destroys the world so that he can recreate it as a result. And that's what they understand CERN to be doing at a symbolic level. I mean, think about what they're doing. What are they what are they doing? They are taking particles and smashing them, right? Smashing them together. So that there will be something new come from it, right? New knowledge, perhaps leading to a new world, right? You, the, even the, that's where the idea, too, of opening portals to new worlds come from, right? It's, yep. it's tied in there at a symbolic level. And so you ha- literally have this huge thing of energy smashing and destroying and creating something new. And that's why it's depicted as being Shiva the Destroyer. Yep. Now. Here's where we kind of trace this symbolic thread through the rest of these events. So we talk about this idea of smashing, right? And and smashing things into causing them to, to, to explode, you know, all that. It's no coincidence that they understand this at a symbolic level to be Shiva the Destroyer, similar to, to, to Shiva the Destroyer. And then the Georgia Godstones, what do they do? They explode. Yep. It's this idea of something else smashing into something and the parts being scattered. And then, you know, weirdly enough, that even ties in in South Dakota. You have the literally heavens. any of the, the storms that came, the freak storms that came from that. It was you have, just this destructive force just went across the country. You have the heavens above, the realm of the gods, declaring to you that there is some kind of phenomenon happening. And then there's these giant hell balls that come yep. down, hellstones. And what do those do? They're smashing into the creation. Right? So there's this theme of smashing, atoms smashing together, godstones and bombs smashing, hell from above smashing, right? It's thematically and symbolically connected. And that's the symbolic thread here. That's what it looks like. When Shiva the Destroyer, who is a principality, is manifested on Earth, destroying so that something new might come from it. And so I think that you can 100% interpret these weird and strange events in a spiritual way and not have to even get into the conspiracy theory stuff. These aren't conspiracy theories. These are just 
tracing a single symbolic thread through events and seeing that there is some kind of relation between them. There's a pattern there. So I don't know what, what, I don't know if you got anything you want to add to that or if you got a take on that, but. Oh no, I, I agree. I mean, whether you go, I mean, people like to go the route of conspiracy theories because it's interesting to dive into sort of the, the nuances of how these things get expressed or the rabbit holes that stem from these things. Yeah. But at its core, I think you, you hint at the, at the symbolism. Yeah. Uh, what the, the real sort of hand behind the, the glove behind the scene there. Well, it's interesting to me because this isn't something that we're coming up on our own, that we're, we're not like randomly <clears throat> and arbitrarily yeah. picking Shiva the destroyer and saying, Oh, this is, this yeah. is that now, they, they themselves associate what right, they do. They've assigned that meaning. Yep. So whenever you start smashing things together and destroying them, you should expect that to happen. In the name of Shiva, at a symbolic level, yep. this is what you should expect to happen. This is what it looks like whenever that begins to manifest itself on Earth. And that's how I interpret them. I think that there is something spiritual there. I mean, the scientific community is literally doing rituals on site. That's no joke. I mean, that's that's not a joke. That's not an exaggeration. That's not. You can actually go look at pictures. You can actually go look at it. They've I mean, actually done, um, you know, <clears throat> ceremonies there. It it reminded me so much of seeing the the Bohemian Grove stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen Alex Jones's yep. thing with that, but it just reminded me of that so much. Like you have these these figures that people want to believe are so free of any kind of spiritual influence. Like you, you look at politicians and people want to think, okay, th- these people, they're, they're not into crazy, wacky stuff like that. I mean, these are our leaders, right? But these are our scientists. Th- these people are the weirdos. I mean, these are, these people are, are the ones into the crazy stuff. So, I mean, I mean it shouldn't surprise that academia follows suit. I mean, honestly, it shouldn't really take a lot to convince you that what they're doing is weird whenever they relate what they're doing to to <laughs> right. a to a they God. all but lay it out for you. Yeah. I mean I mean okay. I mean if I guess here's what I'll say. If you can't see that and if you don't think that that's odd, yep. well then I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you. Then I can't help you. Uh, especially as a Christian who has a supernatural worldview, like if you can't look at that and be like, "Huh, you know, that is a little strange um, that they are that that Shiva has become their patron god. Yeah, I can't help you. Yep. So, all right, Richie, well, we're coming in at an hour. We no, we're not done. What else we got? We have to talk about the Bigfoot skull. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Coyote go ahead. Peterson and his sensational online post and claims that he has found. Well, he doesn't come out and say, "Okay, this is a Bigfoot skull." To be fair, he says, I found a primate skull, and I, I guess it's Canada or wherever he's at, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> he showed pictures saying, I mean, he said that the skull is safe, he had the skull, he smuggled, smuggled it back to the U.S. He just wanted to post these pictures to get it out there, that public knowledge that he'd found this thing before it's covered up. Mm-hmm. People are having a field day with this. Oh, I've seen it. And it. what shocked me is not that, okay, this could be another hoax, because there's a hoax every day with Bigfoot. Right. I mean, you have people like Todd Standing and like, I remember, uh, gosh, it's been years and years ago. My dad <clears throat> pulled up the news and showed me that this guy, and I think it was even Georgia claimed that he had a Bigfoot body in a deep freezer. Oh Lord. Do you, do you not remember that? No. <laughs> like it had intestines hanging out of it. Like, Oh my goodness. Scientists were like, uh, looking at it, but I, it was, it came out to be a fake, but, uh, <laughs> It was it was pretty sensational news story then. I remember it being all over the news, and but yeah, well, it's it. What hit me the hardest is that people know Coyote Peterson by his his sensational like YouTube videos. Like he does the videos of getting stung by like the the different wasps and being right. bitten by tarantulas and things like that. Yeah, he never though strikes me as the type to fake something like that. Right. Like I, the the why? Well, I'm is outside. What gets of, me. I'm outside. I view myself as somebody who's an outsider, kind of in some ways to that community. Like I, I mainly view myself as a pastor theologian. Well, he has no real presence in that in the paranormal community. Okay, so that's what really got me. Like, okay, hmm. what are you doing with this? Right. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, like with Todd Standing. Todd Standing. Oh my gosh, we can get in a whole episode about him, but he 
it, in my opinion, he is the biggest hoaxer to date with anything that has to do with Bigfoot. But I mean, he's known in the community. Uh, Cody Peterson though has no, no presence. presence. Like I was, uh, that's what was my first thought when I saw it. Like, what are you doing with this? Well, let me ask you then. What do you think about it? Well, like, what are your thoughts? I am not a cryptozoologist. Even when even my work in the paranormal, cryptids weren't really my focus. So I'll leave it to people like Dr. Meldrum and Jeff Meldrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a take on this thing that he thinks it's a replica of a gorilla skull. Like he he says even says that there's no doubt that that's a gorilla skull. Mm-hmm. He goes, now where he, where he got it from is the question. Like he thinks it's some kind of replica that you can buy online. Right. And that, he's, seen that, that he's, that he's planted this and faked it. But I mean, I just don't know what the motive is. Like, I mean, I don't know why, what he hopes to accomplish by faking this. If it really is a fake. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of want to leave the door that it's door open, that it's something other than that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so basically your take is don't really know, but you trust the people who are in that field. Yeah, and they're all saying that this is a fake. Okay, all right, well, you heard it there. <laughs> That's Sketchy Richie's. That's Sketchy Richie's. Take. That's his take sketchy. that's still in progress. Yeah, so you're open to the idea that it could be something, um, but you're also like... Because, I mean, even though with our episodes so you're trust on, the science? Yeah. <laughs> yeah in this case, yes. But, I mean, even in our uh, episode we've done on spiritual beings and we mentioned Bigfoot, yeah. we mentioned that even though you, Bigfoot is... You shouldn't be is, going out looking for Bigfoot. He's an elemental spirit. They can manifest in very physical ways. So, I mean... Right. Yeah. That's good. I think that's a good reminder to people, especially who may be listening to this podcast and may be tuning into a lot of other paranormal podcasts, but may, may not exactly think about it from our perspective. Yeah. Like, we primarily view Bigfoot as a spiritual being, not necessarily a flesh and blood being out there that you're going to go out and find bones and skulls for. Um, it can certainly manifest itself in physical ways yeah. and perhaps leave footprints and things like that. Yeah. But you shouldn't be out there looking for the fossil record for the Bigfoot. And that's or how, Bigfoot. that's how, that's how native Americans even understood Bigfoot to be a spiritual being. Oh yeah. And others as well. So, all right. Well, you heard it here first. You heard it here. <laughs> so, well, that wraps us up for today's episode. We're coming in at an hour and um, Richie, I think we've got an announcement to make to the people. And by the time that they hear this, our patrons will already know about it. They will, will have had first dibs. But we are releasing what we're, we are calling and what we teased yesterday as the Sword and Staff Multiverse. Yep. Richie, what exactly is the Sword and Staff multiverse? Because we've got people who are like, I need this episode immediately. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I've seen that. It's, a, it's not an episode. Yeah. So well, what, what is it? We were intentionally being vague with it, though. Yes, we wanted to, be to create, fair. We wanted to create a stir. I mean, we've been sort of toying with this idea of a network, a podcast network, mm-hmm. for about two years. Right. About doing, because uh, normally our, we, our focus is the paranormal. So we started with wanting to do one, what was it? We was going to call it the Kingdom of the Occult. Right. And we realized that that just overlaps with what we normally cover mm-hmm. too much. Yep. So we're branching out and doing podcasts that cover other topics. Yeah. Other targeting other audiences, things yep. like that. Yeah. And so the one that we are releasing now, so we're kind of like world building. Yep. But with podcasts. With podcasts. Um, so the next one that we're releasing, the new podcast is a Tolkien podcast. If that comes to shock to anybody, and the re- I mean, come on. Here's the reason why we wanted to release a Tolkien podcast. Because it just permeates. I mean, we've talked about Tolkien in this Because people on Sword and Staff are tired of hearing us talk about it. That's why. <laughs> right. Whenever we talk about Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and we do reviews on uh, like Rings of Power stuff or whatever, uh, it attracts a different crowd. Yep. And then it also loses <clears throat> our normal crowd. Yep. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to create an outlet for that. And so that's going to be a standalone podcast um, that you guys will be able to tune into. And for everybody who's Tolkien fans and they want to hear us nerd out on Tolkien, you'll be able to go there. And that will be the first of what will become, oh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, It's a multiverse so that will be one uh, podcast in this I mean we even thought about extending it to even other hosts yeah like taking on 
podcast under the Sword and Staff umbrella. Yeah. So, I mean, we have patrons and supporters and people in our community that absolutely could, you know, take this this mantle and run with it. So, I mean. Yeah, 100%. While we continue doing the work that we're called to. The yeah. reality is, is that we can't be everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You might have a ritual. For Which that. that was a community mission that we wanted with Sword and Staff to begin with. We We told people from the charter that we wanted to bring you all into this mission with us. I mean, yeah. to do some of the work. So, well, the reality is, like I was saying, we can't be everywhere unless, yeah. unless the people create a, a sketchy, richy thought form. Listen, give me time. Door. Um, and so, um, so yeah, we want to invite other people in to what we're doing, uh, into this network that we're creating. And this will be the first of others, uh, that will follow suit as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, Tolkien really is a, whole different side topic. I mean, it influences everything that we say in some ways, yeah. but we nerd out on this like heavier than most people do. So we need a separate outlet for we it. We do. So that's what we're going to do. So um, that the first episode of our Tolkien podcast will be dropping alongside of this one as well. You need to go check it out. So have we, we settled on the name, right? We have settled on a name. <clears throat> do you know what? Do you want the name? Do you want me to tell the people? Or do you want to do that? I mean, yeah. Well, if they're gonna li- if they're listening to this right now and they're interested in hearing it, they need to be able to find it. Okay, so. go ahead. So the name that we have settled on is the Wandering Wizard. The Wandering Wizard. And so uh, let's talk. Let's let's talk about it. Like, why the Wandering Wizard? Because it's a pub for weirdos to come sit and talk about Tolkien. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, so we were playing off of other stuff in Tolkien. Yeah like the Prancing Pony, uh, the Golden Perch, um, in the online uh, Lord of the Rings world, there's the Laughing Halfling. The Laughing Halfling. <laughs> so West of Bree. That right. was the second contender yeah, there. I, I really like that because it inadvertently points people to the Shire because that's yeah. the location of the Shire. Yeah, West of Bree. Um, so we went with the Wandering Wizard, though, because yeah. it played off of that kind of Middle-Earth pub feel. And like archetypally, like, come on. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richie is a sketchy wizard. I am a sketchy wizard. And so uh, we thought that that I was literally sick. just called myself a wandering wizard just in this sort of reflective rant that yeah. I went on to jo- on with Josh like not too long ago. So it's it's fitting. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. you did. So, um, so the wandering wizard. So if you guys want to listen to the first episode, we are reviewing um, the uh, Rings of Power trailer that just come out today. Wait. Okay. Yeah. That okay. just come out today and the one that came out, the teaser that came out last week. So if you want our take on that, you want to hear us review that, talk about it, discuss it, head on over to the wandering wizard and we'll talk about it. We so, will. So we will talk about it because we can't shut up about it. That's right. We can't shut up about it. We literally, we literally it. had to divide the multiverse just to, we had to create a multiverse. We had to. Yeah. Just to so, contain the shook. Yeah. All right. Well, Richie, we're over an hour. You got anything else you want to say before we sign off? Do we have more announcements, more updates, more anything? Mm, uh, or do you want to save that for like a live video? Yeah, let's save it for a live video. Okay. Yep. Tune in to the Sword and Staff group on Facebook. For God's sakes, if you're not there, please answer the questions. Because please. I will deny. I have denied like five people this week. Yeah. I'm the you gatekeeper. will be denied. Josh will is be the denied. gatekeeper. So please, <clears throat> if you decide that you want to be a part of the Sword and Staff group, please answer the questions. Yeah. Also, <clears throat> leave us a honest five-star review. We got one this week. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. And we love those. Those help us uh, with search engine optimization. Those help us be found. So please, um, in exchange for <laughs> a five-star review, rating on iTunes, you get to leave us an honest review, whatever you want to say, as long as it's a five star. So uh, that helps us out. Also, if you want more, um, if you want to get this stuff first, because here's the reality, I think that, (laughs) I think that our patrons are going to get a review of the Rings of Power trailer before it actually drops everywhere. Uh, They literally are. How does that happen? How does that happen, Richie? Because we do sketchy things and we literally found the leaked trailer. Before it came out, so Richie and I, <laughs> Richie and I have, and already, here we are translating it from Portuguese, and trying to <laughs> and trying to figure out what's going on. Oh my god! Because we couldn't wait. I'm deceased. Oh my gosh, you're right. 
Oh. I'm literally sitting in my car at lunch, and Josh is dropping this. We're hunting down this leaked trailer that's going around in Reddit. Portuguese. Yeah, in Portuguese. <laughs> and we're translating. We're it. translating it, trying to figure out what's going on before the one comes out. out tomorrow. And, and we figured it out. I was trying. I was going to let people think we were important, and that we got a, like a link to it. To I mean, I think the sketchy path that led to it is is important too. That's hilarious. It shows dedication to the craft. So, it's <laughs> it does. You're you're right. You're right. So. <laughs> so if you're if you're you will actually get to hear about the trailer before it actually drops if you're a patron. So head on over to www.patreon.com backslash sword and staff order for just five dollars a month. You can get all of this crazy, crazy content and much, much more. Who knows? Maybe some of them will have the gift of tongues and they can oh, they don't need us to translate the Portuguese. Maybe that would be a help. That would be a if, help. Yeah. If you have the biblical gift of tongues. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Pray for it to for interpret it. this leaked trailer. All right. All right. That's enough. All right. We got enough. <laughs> All right. So meet us on over at the Wandering Wizard. We'll be talking about Tolkien and the Rings of Power. Absolutely. So we'll see you guys there. See you then. See ya.